0: Hello and thank you for downloading this programme from Starry Decisis Radio where we discuss all the judgments of the United Kingdom Supreme Court. My name is Mark Tottenham. In these shows I try to run briefly through the issues that have arisen in the case without getting too bogged down in legalese or jargon. In this show we are dealing with the case of a tenant who had paid a quarterly rent in advance but exercised a break clause in the lease which terminated the lease prior to the end of the quarter in question. On the grounds that they had not occupied the premises during the whole of the relevant quarter, they sued for the recovery of the apportioned rent. The name of the case is Marks & Spencer's PLC versus BNP Paribas Security Services Trust Company, Jersey Limited. And that's a mouthful. The citation is 2015 UK SC 72. The lead judgment was delivered by Lord Newberger, with short concurring judgments from Lords Cornwath and Clark. The decision was delivered on the 2nd of December 2015. The facts of the case are as follows. The tenant, Marks & Spencer, held a lease that was due to expire in 2018, but they chose to exercise a break clause in the lease, which allowed them to terminate the lease in January 2012 instead. In December 2011, prior to the exercise of the break clause, they paid the full rent for the quarter up to March 2012, a sum of about £300,000. After they had exercised the break clause and terminated the lease, they sued for the recovery of the apportioned rent between January and March, which must have come to about £200,000. The High Court ordered that the apportioned rent be returned to the tenant, but an appeal to the Court of Appeal was allowed. The matter then went to the Supreme Court. In the Supreme Court, two issues were considered. A. What was required for an implied term to be read into a lease or contract, and B whether rent for a particular period could be apportioned in the manner argued for by the tenant. In his judgment, Lord newburger spent much time considering the issue of implied terms. He pointed out that a term might be implied into a lease, either in light of the express terms of the lease or other circumstances, or by operation of law or statute. In order for a term to be implied in light of the express terms and other circumstances, Based on previous case law, it needed to satisfy the test of business necessity. He considered whether such considerations as fairness or reasonableness were relevant or necessary, and even such considerations as, and I quote here, equitableness and obviousness, when considering the official bias, the officious bystander test. He certainly seemed sympathetic to the idea that there was a case for business of efficacy to imply into the lease the term that the apportioned rent be returned to the tenant. However, he went on to consider the law on apportionment of rent and noted that it was well established at common law that rent could not be apportioned. Under the Apportionment Act of 1870, rent payable in arrear could be apportioned, but it had been held that this rule did not apply to rent payable in, in advance. He went on to say, open quotation, It follows from this conclusion that neither the common law nor statute apportions rent in advance on a time basis. And this was correctly, generally understood to be the point when the deed and the lease were negotiated and executed. The claimant's argument, by contrast, is that a term should be implied into the lease that the basic rent payable in advance on the 25th of December 2011 should effectively be apportioned on a time basis. The fact that the lease was negotiated against the background of a clear, general and correct understanding that rent payable in advance was not apportionable in time raises a real problem for the argument that a term can be implied into the lease that it should be effectively apportionable if the lease is prematurely determined in accordance with its terms. End of quotation. He further said, open quotation, save in a very clear case indeed, it would be wrong to attribute to a landlord and a tenant, particularly when they have entered into a full and professionally drafted lease, an intention that the tenant should receive an apportioned part of the rent payable and paid in advance, when the non apportionability of such rent has been so long and clearly established. Given that it is so clear that the effect of the case law, is that rent payable and paid in advance can be retained by the landlord, save in very exceptional circumstances, e.g. where the contract could not work or would lead to an absurdity. Express rules would be needed before it would be right to imply a term to the contrary. End of quotation. In other words, the landlord and tenant should have been presumed to know the law on apportionment of rent payable in advance at the time they negotiated the lease. Given that the law on the subject was so clear, a term to the contrary could not be implied into the lease. This judgment is a useful reminder of the law on implied terms and contracts. As for the apportionment of rent, it seems at least a little unfair that a tenant should pay rent for a significant period of time after they had vacated the premises. While it is presumed that the parties knew the law, this clearly came as some news to the tenant in this case. But if the rule has been so established at common law, the principle of stare decisis deems that it must be followed. Thank you very much for listening to this programme. If you have any comments, please see the Starry Decisis Radio Facebook page or Twitter account. And if you have enjoyed this programme, please do tell your friends and colleagues about Starry Decisis Radio.